Welcome to Your Pathways to Wealth, where Charlie Massimo and Peter Anastasian are on a mission to bring clarity to the world of finances. Together, they bring a wealth of knowledge to help you uncover a way to simplify your financial life. Join Charlie and Peter and their guest experts as they venture to help you preserve what you've built and enjoy what you've earned. Now, let's talk wealth. Medicare can be confusing, very confusing, and you want to make sure you get it done right. Charlie Massimo and Peter Anastasian's guest today has focused his practice on helping seniors and their health care needs. He's guided many planners through the maze of Medicare supplement plans, Part D plans, and Medicare Advantage plans. So, Charlie, how did you meet Kevin Lawrence? We, we met Kevin a while ago, and you know Peter and I take a lot of pride in, in the value we bring back to our clients. And we always say we have these really uh, special people that we are fortunate enough to be able to tap into that really have specialties in certain areas that mean a lot to our clients. And certainly you use the word maze. <laughs> maze is an accurate way to describe Medicare. And I, I hate to say it, but I'm getting closer to that age where it's even more meaningful to me. So I still try to figure out this maze. And we're fortunate to have a great part of our extended team, Kevin Lawrence, with us today. He's the director of senior markets at PGP Benefits here on Long Island. And really, Kevin spends all his time working with his clients, with our clients on, on helping them figure out that maze and figure out right what's the right plan for them, depending on their needs and where they are. And Kevin, before we get started, this kind of really illustrates the importance of this. A nationwide retirement institute survey found that despite nearly 86% of older adults being enrolled in or planning to enroll in Medicare, a whopping 72% wish they had a better understanding of Medicare coverage. So we're going to talk about some of those things today. And, and five of probably the biggest myths that we we hear or see around Medicare. So Kevin, really appreciate your time and all you do for us and our clients. So welcome. Thank you very much. I Just to illustrate something on what you just said, I speak to probably somewhere between 40 and 75 people a week, and I cannot remember the last conversation that I had with one of those potential or future clients that they didn't mention the fact that it's so confusing. And these are people that are very you know, intelligent people, titans of industry. And yes, it seems like it's a very confusing topic for the large segment of people that are out there. And certainly the government doesn't do or Medicare itself with all these salesmen out there, which I don't consider you a salesman at all, even though that's what you do. I think it confuses the issue even more with all these different commercials and all these different people pushing different different plans for Medicare, which only adds to that confusion. So Peter, why don't we why don't we start with some of the myths? Why don't you take why don't you uh, start us off with the first one? Sure. So myth number one, Kevin, is Medicare Part B free? Well, yes, I do get that fairly often. Um, Part A of Medicare comes without a premium. By law, I can't really say that it's it's free because you've paid into the system for at least 10 years in order to qualify to get Medicare without having to pay a premium for it. It's very rare that people have to pay a premium for that because even uh, there's a way that Somebody could be a non-working spouse that may not have contributed for the full 10 years, but they can access the working spouse's history in order to get the Part A for free. Part B comes with a premium, and 
I do get a lot of people that are surprised at the amounts because the way it works is that Medicare or, and Social Security will look at your income from two years prior to determine your premiums. So the base premium for 2024 is $174.70. That's for people that file single that make under $103,000 or a joint filing couple that make under $206,000. On the high end, if you make over a half a million dollars as an individual or 750 as a couple, your premiums go from $174 to $594. I would say I get surprises about that or people that are surprised about that a lot more than people think that Part B is free. Most people have gotten to the point where they realize that there is some premium for Part B, but in many cases, they really don't understand you know, the, the amounts involved. Got it. One of the things that we do here on a regular basis is we compare what Medicare would look like to a commercial plan. So I have people that are turning 65 and they want to understand whether they should stay on their company plan or now that they're eligible for Medicare, whether they should move over to Medicare. And so we put together a cost benefit analysis for them. To, that's this, way, this way they can understand the cost and the benefits for both sides of it, and then they can make an educated decision. So it seems to be more of a consultative process, right? So you would evaluate and ultimately give some sort of direction there, which which will lead us into the second myth. And I think one of the most overlooked, perhaps, or misunderstood, rather, that you could enroll in Medicare whenever you want. Now, is that true or is that false? And what guidance can you give? Well, there are certain things that force you into the Medicare world. A number of people think that you have to sign up for at least Part A, and that's not really the case. You know, the, the key thing is really where you get your current health insurance. So if you have insurance through an employer that has less than 20 employees, or if you're on like an individual plan through the state on the exchange, things like that, you have to have Medicare A and B once you turn 65 because the insurance companies that cover uh, employer benefit plans that have less than 20 employees, once you turn 65, they're only required to pay as secondary. So for Part B, for instance, Part B is designed to pick up 80% of any Part B claims. If you don't enroll in Medicare, the insurance carriers will only cover roughly 20% of any claim so that you've got a lot of exposure if you don't have it. So one of the first questions that I ask when people talk to me is well, how many people work for the company that you work for? If they have less than 20, I tell them that no matter what they do, they have to have Medicare A and B in place. If they are over 20 employees, then they don't have to sign up for anything. And in some cases, they should not sign up for anything. And I'll give you an example. If somebody's on a large employer plan and they contribute to a health savings account where they have a large deductible on the health plan where the, they can put away tax-free dollars of up to five or 7000 whatever it happens to be based on the deductible that's on the plan, if you sign up for Part A of Medicare, that constitutes that you have other coverage in place and it eliminates the ability to contribute. So for most people that are on that type or in that type of a situation, signing up for Medicare Part A the only thing it does is it hurts them. So that's one of the questions that we ask as well. Are you on an HSA plan? Because people don't understand that they cannot contribute if they are on an HSA plan. Got it. Yeah, that's, a, that, that's interesting. You know, and, and HSA plans have become so popular. So again, this is why so much confusion and so much guidance is needed from, from people like you. But, the, you know, there's this other myth, and you kind of alluded to it already, 
talking about med- you know people think that Medicare costs are the same for everyone. Kevin, can you talk a little about this? You know, this IRMA for so the income related monthly adjustment amount. I don't. I think that's somewhat fairly new over the past few years, but people just really don't understand it, and they don't know why they're paying so much more, so much less than their neighbor, and that also adds to some confusion. Well, essentially what happened is new legislation went into place about 10 years ago, and what they started to do was Social Security and Medicare started going after higher income earners to make sure that the program was solvent. Essentially, that's what they were doing. And it does make sense that if you make a lot more money, you should pay more in premium. I mean, there's, there's a justification for it. Nobody's really happy about it, but when I say to them, listen, there's, you know, it's a problem, but it's not a bad problem to have. But what happens is, like right now, in 2024, they are looking at your 2022 adjusted gross income, and then they also add in any tax-exempt income. They call it a modified adjusted gross. The reason that they're two years behind is because everybody has to get a letter in November saying that your premiums for the upcoming year are X. So obviously in November, you haven't filed your tax returns for that particular year, so they can only go back two years. If that premium from two years ago makes sense because of the fact that you're going to continue to work, then you're going to be locked into that premium for one year and they keep, they, every year they reevaluate. On the other hand, there are times when obviously people are going to retire. So if I get a, a statement from Social Security saying that I'm going to pay an IRMA for 2024 in this case, but in 2024 I'm going to retire and my, and my income is going to drop, then I have the ability to appeal. So this way I don't have to wait two years for my current income to be reflective of my Part B premiums. So there are ways that you can kind of work through the system to make it a little bit more manageable depending on your situation. So, um, but it is, it is a big surprise to people when I start to give them the numbers, you know, it, they, that can sometimes be a deal killer because especially if you're working for a large company, you know, to pay $600 a month just for Medicare alone without talking about supplements, advantage or prescription drug plans, sometimes that's more than what they're paying for their current health insurance. So a lot of times for people that work for larger companies, it doesn't always fit right. Yeah. And and, and that's why we always say there's, there's other parts that go into the planning. And when we talk to clients about, you know, their requirement of distribution, things we can do to help keep that lower. So it doesn't, or try not to bump them up into the higher brackets where, where Medicare costs them more. Um, but this leads into to another myth that we hear a lot. And even my mom sometimes is surprised by this. She thinks Medicare covers everything and, and there's she never has to worry about anything because her Medicare covers it all. Is that is that true? What does it actually cover and how do you make sure that as much as you need covered is taken care of? Well, I mean, as far as a medical standpoint, the if you go with a Medicare supplement plan and a drug plan, typically your coverage is going to be more comprehensive than it is on a commercial plan because one of the things that's happened on the employer side of things for the last you know eight or ten years has been that their premiums go up and as their premiums are going up so are the deductibles and things like that i mean you can get a plan anywhere in the country a supplemental plan where if your providers accept medicare your only out-of-pocket cost for the calendar year is a deductible of two hundred and forty dollars so that's significantly better than just about any med, uh, employer plan that you're going to find out there. So from, from that standpoint, you know, you have much more comprehensive coverage. Now, it's strictly for medical. So it covers all the basic medical things that you need uh, or that have been covered for years and years. 
one of the things that a lot of these commercials talk about on TV is they talk about dental and vision. Dental and vision are two of the bigger categories that are not covered by any type of a Medicare plan. So you typically would have to go out and get a separate plan for that. Now, the Medicare Advantage plans that you see the commercials for on TV, yes, they do offer the dental and vision, and they throw in some other benefits like a gym membership, things like that. So they do entice you to try to look at those plans. Part of the reason that they entice you is because those plans are cash cows for the insurance company, and they make a lot of money on them. What you don't really hear on the commercials is the negative side of some things that happen with Medicare Advantage plans. But the, the real big categories are, like I said, dental, vision, and another one is hearing aids. So some of the supplemental plans, even though they don't give you coverage for that, they do offer discount programs that'll help you reduce your costs for those types of plans or, or those types of benefits. But those are really the big ones. And there are other options out there for people that, that are, like I said, that really need that type of coverage in addition to the medical side of things. Sure. You know, Kevin, I, I have to imagine, you know, many older people are on so many different prescription drugs. And I know that's a big part of choosing your plan on what's covered in certain, you know, Medicare plans. So how do you how do you advise clients when they have a list of different medications? Some may be generic, some may not be. How do you help them work through what's the proper plan for them? Well, the only real way that we can do that is by getting a list of the medications that they take. Because, you know, the premiums for Medicare Part B, they're standardized. You're, you know what you're going to pay regardless of, uh, I mean, based on whatever your income is. When you go to a supplement plan, those are all set up by Medicare. So if you buy Plan G, which is the one that I referenced earlier, Plan G is the same no matter where you buy it or how much you pay for it. The benefits have been set up by Medicare. When it comes to the drug plans, there's a million different variables. Every company has the ability to say, these are the medications we're going to cover. These are the medications we're not going to cover. Here's our premiums. Here's our co-pays. Here's our deductibles. So I'll, I'll give you an example. I had a gentleman come to me about a year and a half ago that took about 20 medications. One of the medications retailed for $3,000 a month. And when he asked me what, what the price of the plans were in the area at the time, I said, well, the premiums are anywhere from $7 a month up to $115 a month. And he said, well, just give me the $115 plan. And I said, well, let me just do my homework and run your medications through the system. As it turned out, of the 25 different plans that were available in the market at that time, there was only one, medica or, excuse me, one plan that covered his $3,000 medication. And guess what? It was the $7 plan. But he was willing to pay over $100 more in premium for something that would not have given him any coverage. So that, that was one of the more powerful illustrations that I've seen in, in all the time that I've been doing it. But what we do is we run the drugs through the system to try to find the best, um, the best plan for them based on the medications they take, the pharmacy that they go to, and things like that. Um, there are some, some interesting things that have come down the track. One of the things that's happening this year is that there are a number of different phases in the drug plans. You have your deductible phase, initial coverage phase, then you have the donut hole and all these other types of things. And, and they're difficult to explain to people, but when we have their drug analysis in front of them, we can tell them if they're going to have to worry about the donut hole and all the other good things. But what happened this year is that for people that take really expensive medications, they're going to see a big reduction in their out-of-pocket costs. I have one person today that I just wrote a plan for that takes a medication that retails for $23,000 a month. 
in two thousand and twenty three a month, yes. And uh-huh. it's in two thousand and twenty three, the way the plan laid out is they would pay about thirty seven hundred dollars the first month and then they would pay about fifteen hundred dollars a month or actually a little less than fifteen hundred dollars a month for the le- next eleven months. Now what happens this year is they'll pay the $3,700 up front, but then they won't pay for the medication for the rest of the year. Because again, that's a very, a very um, you know, high-end scenario. Most of the people don't get to that kind of a level. But what happens is they've eliminated what the, what's called the catastrophic phase. Once you get to that phase, you don't have to pay any, uh, any co-pays anymore. So it's very good for the people that are on those medications it represents roughly 8% of the people that are on Medicare drug plans. So unfortunately, just like with the Irma's earlier, what's happening now is 92% of the people that never get to that catastrophic phase are actually paying much higher premiums now because all the insurance companies, with the exception of one, took huge price increases this year in terms of premiums because they have a lot more exposure this year. And so they had to go after the masses to try to remain you know, solvent. And actually, two of the bigger plans that were around for the last maybe eight years or so, they pulled out of the market altogether. So there's less competition. So there's some good and some bad, you know, that's going on with the drug plans. And legislation is in effect for next year that's going to cap everybody's exposure at $2,500 from an out-of-pocket standpoint. I haven't seen what the details look like. I won't see that until October of this coming year. But I do think that we're going to have another big shakeup similar to the one that we had this year in terms of uh, increases in premiums for the plans. I'm, I'm just shocked at that number, $23,000 a month for one prescription. It's, it's amazing that, that drug companies can get away with that. Hey, but be- before we get into the fifth myth, Peter, I do have a question. What about those that are on Medicare and travel a lot or maybe have dual residency between different states? Is, is there anything to be concerned about there? Well, for people that live in multiple locations, uh, I usually recommend they go, that they go with a Medicare supplement plan. The reason for that is because when you have a Medicare supplement plan, you can go to any provider that takes Medicare anywhere in the country. So it, as opposed to like an Advantage plan, when you have an Advantage plan that's based in New York, the network is really built around the New York metro area because that's where they're purchasing the plan. Now, for some of the bigger carriers like United Healthcare and Aetna, if you live in Florida for you know a portion of the year, you'll be able to access you know a network down there as well. But if you really want more comprehensive coverage and you really want to be able to go to more doctors if need be, then a Medicare supplement plan is usually a better scenario. In addition, Medicare doesn't pay for any services that are outside the United States. But if you take a Medicare supplement plan and you travel, most of the plans have a foreign travel benefit as well. So even though Medicare doesn't pay anything, the insurance company will pick up roughly about 80% of any claim after a small deductible if you're hospitalized in another country. They do cap that out at $50,000 over the course of your lifetime. But I've seen the bills that come in from outside of the country and they're nothing like the bills that we see here. So again, if you really want more coverage and you more access to providers and seamlessness, then a, a Medicare supplement plan is usually a better scenario. That's great. Peter, I think we have one more myth. Yeah. So the last one, uh, Medicare and Medicaid, are they the same? And if not, what would you say are the main differences? Well, Medicare and Medicaid are very different. 
Medicare is basically for anybody that's turning 65, or you can actually qualify at a younger age if you're disabled. Like the example that I always use is my wife was diagnosed with MS at age 29, and after two years of collecting Social Security disability, she was automatically enrolled in Medicare. So Medicare is strictly designed as a medical type of a plan. Medicaid is a little bit different, and Medicaid is it, it differs by state. But for people that don't have, you know, significant income and no assets, they can qualify for Medicaid. And the idea behind Medicaid is to help people in that particular scenario so that they don't have exorbitant drug costs, exorbitant medical costs. So for people that there's actually people that are called dual eligibles where you can have Medicare because you turn 65, but your income still reflects that you qualify for Medicaid. So you can have Medicare and Medicaid at the same time, and they coordinate benefits between the two. So for people in that situation, like I had mentioned that, you know, if you're under 206000 as a couple or 100000 as a single, you pay $174 for Medicare. If you're on Medicaid, most levels of Medicaid will cover the 174 premium. So effectively, you're not paying any premium for the Part B, which again, if you're only making, you know, $14,000 a year, that's that 174 is much better off in your pocket than uh, somewhere else. So they do, there are plans that will coordinate, but typically Medicaid is for people that are, you know, have less, less money, less assets. One of the things that Medicaid covers that Medicare doesn't cover is in-home nursing. So if somebody is in need of home care, Medicare will not cover that uh, unless it's a short period of time after being hospitalized. But if you need somebody to come in eight hours a day to take care of the activities of daily living, like dressing, toileting, feeding yourselves, that's only going to be covered under Medicaid. And I know that there are some rule changes that are going into effect here in New York that are making Medicaid or making it a little bit harder to qualify for. So we do have resources for people that need help with that type of a thing, but we usually have to refer that out to somebody that is an elder care attorney to walk them through the nuances of that. Right. So, so in, in light of that, you know, sometimes one may think, well, Hey, you know what? Recognizing that I may need or want to apply for Medicaid. Um, let me just simply get rid of all my assets, give it to my children or, uh, and so on and so forth. So what are some of the rules around that and the timing of that and any look backs potentially? Well, I'm not an expert on that. I did, ha I did a lot more with it a few years ago, but it used to be where if you needed in-home care, you could literally change, get the assets out of your name, and one month later, you would qualify for what they call community Medicaid, which is where you have home care. Institutional was a five-year look back. So if you needed to go into a nursing home or some type of facility like that, that was five years. But I know that the legislation has gone through, or, or it's at least pending, where those time frames are going to be extended out. The last that I heard was that the look back for community uh, community Medicaid was going to either three or five years. Again, I, I'm not an expert on that side of things. I've dealt with it in the past, but just like when people refer people to me because they don't really understand the Medicare side of things, when it gets into that type of thing, I would much rather have them touch base with a professional that really does this all day long. Yeah, and that's such a good point. And that's why the team approach to all of wealth management is so important because it's so hard to look at the individual pieces when so many of them work together 
and in concert with one another. And, and before we leave you, Kevin, and thank you again for all your time. I really appreciate it. As I said, there are so many salesmen out there that are just trying to sell the highest commission product. What, what advice would you or could you give to someone um, on questions they should ask or things they should really look out for to see if someone's truly looking out for their best interest or just trying to sell them the Cadillac of plans? Well, the funny thing is, uh, well, actually, it's not funny, um, but the biggest commissions in my business are actually from the Medicare Advantage plans, which are plans that you don't necessarily have to pay a premium for in many cases. The insurance companies get paid a fee every month by the government, and they're very profitable for the insurance companies. So those are the commercials that you see with Joe Namath and William Shatner and other people like that. And there are people that those types of plans are you know, that's the kind of plan that they they would recommend. But I do find that some people will push those plans, even if it's not the best plan for somebody from a medical standpoint to make a higher commission. Uh, we don't really sell many of the Medicare Advantage plans here because of the clientele that we have that comes to us are looking for more comprehensive coverage. But it, it's the old story of if it sounds too good to be true, it probably is. You know, I find that there's a lot of things that are good about those Medicare Advantage plans, but there are also a lot of things that are not so good. And, and you really have to understand the pros and cons of both to make an educated decision. And usually one of the first conversations that I have with somebody, they'll ask me those types of questions about the Advantage plans, and I'll, I'll kind of give them a list. I'll say, okay, well, let's, let's go through the pros and cons of an Advantage plan, and let's go through the pros and cons of a supplement plan. And then maybe we can narrow it down to at least one type of a category and then start to fine tune it from there. And um, I do find that it's there are people that were are, are looking more to their commissions than what's actually in the best you know case for their clients. One of the things that happens with our firm is that the referrals come in to our firm from our brokers that work through us. And our brokers are essentially my company's customers. I'm working with their customers, but the last thing I'm going to do is to potentially lose a referral source because I did the wrong thing for one of their clients. So I always make sure that the client is in the proper plan and they understand exactly what they're buying and what exactly what the pros and cons of, of those plans are. Well, that's great. Well, Kevin, we've seen you work firsthand with our clients and I know the feedback's always great from them. And Again, we, we so appreciate all the work you do for them, for us, and for spending some time with us today. And I think the last 20 minutes or so is evidence of, of what a valuable resource Kevin is to us and to our clients. Kevin, if someone wants to reach out to you directly, how can they do that? Uh, the best way is via email. I'm on the phone quite often during the day because a lot of the clients that really need that hand-holding. So if, if people shoot me an email, that's usually the best way. And then I can set up a time that's mutually beneficial for both of us to go through their particular situation. So um, my email address is Kevin, K-E-V-I-N dot Lawrence, L-A-W-R-E-N-C-E at P-G-P. It stands for Professional Group Plans pgpbenefits.com but kevin.lawrence well, at pgpbenefits.com great thanks kevin and certainly anyone can uh, get in touch with peter or i directly and we will certainly extend an invitation to kevin as well and again as i said we try to make this part of our normal planning process with those clients that are near or eligible for medicare so again kevin thanks so much really appreciate your time today 
No problem at all. Thank you for the opportunity to speak. All right, Charlie, how can listeners reach you and Peter as well? They can uh, call us certainly directly at 631-777-1030 or reach us on the web at www.yourpathwaystowealth.com. And listeners, Medicare does not have to be confusing. If you have questions, contact Charlie and Pete and follow this podcast for insights into more great topics. Please also share with others. Thanks for being with us. Thank you for listening to your Pathways to Wealth podcast. Click the follow button to be notified when new episodes become available. Visit our website at Wealth Enhancement Group or give us a call at 1-800-492-1222. And don't forget to click the follow button to be notified when new episodes become available. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of the Wealth Enhancement Group. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning. 